0: In October 2018, Hurricane Michael made landfall at the Florida Panhandle with winds as strong as 160 miles per hour. Just one of four Category 5 hurricanes ever to hit the U.S. mainland. Michael made landfall near Mexico Beach in Florida and devastated the community there with over 16 deaths and over $25 billion in damage. Our Refuge youth group traveled to that area in July 2019 to help with some of the cleanup efforts some nine months after Michael came ashore. Now in Mexico Beach, which was about 30 minutes south of where we worked as a youth group, three quarters of the buildings and structures there were completely demolished. It looked like a war zone and we in fact weren't able really to go into that area because so much of the infrastructure was damaged. But there was one home that garnered a lot of attention as it survived Hurricane Michael almost unscathed, and that was the Sand Palace. Russell King and his nephew built their family's dream beach home in 2017 with the intention of building one for the big one. They just didn't realize that big one would be a year after they built their home. Now, the Sand Palace was built on 40-foot pilings that went deep into the ground, and their first floor height was 15 feet way above the storm surge for Hurricane Michael. The house was fashioned from poured concrete and reinforced by steel cables and rebar, with additional concrete just bolstering everything together. The space under the roof was minimized so wind couldn't sneak underneath there and lift it off. And although the codes in that area of Florida required that new builds withstand 150 mile-per-hour winds, the Sand uh, sand Palace owners built their home to withstand 250 mile-per-hour winds. The nephew stated when they were building it that we wanted to build a house that would solve and last for generations. And while the construction of this place was significant, the money that they saved compared to the destruction that devastated so many of their neighbors made it worth it. Now, while most of us have not had to weather a hurricane, many of us are familiar with weathering storms in our life. We know what it feels like to be battered by winds or to find ourselves ankle-deep in some storm surge. We have found ourselves huddled up and afraid when it feels like the walls are going to blow away under the strain of it all. Health diagnoses, tough work situations, broken relationships, dreams that didn't pan out the way we hoped. And like Hurricane Michael, we may have little warning about these storms and their devastating power until we're in the middle of the big one. But what if, like the owners of the Sand Palace, before the storms were ever formed over the warm ocean waters, we asked this question, how can God renovate us now so we are built to last? How can God reframe our lives so that we can weather the strongest storms? To see what God has to say about this question, let's look at our text today in Luke chapter six, verses 43 through 49, and we'll be reading from the message paraphrase today. Jesus gathered his disciples and his followers together on a hillside and he's teaching them about what it means to be blessed and how to love your enemies and to not judge others and what it means to be a true follower or disciple of Christ. So let's hear the words of Jesus spoken beginning in verse 43 of chapter six. You don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree nor good apples off a diseased tree the health of the apple tells the health of the tree you must begin with your own life-giving lives it's who you are not what you say and do that counts your true being brims over into true words and deeds jesus is talking to the disciples about their will their heart their true being Think of the will or the heart as the executive center of a human life. It's the place where we initiate and we create. It's where we choose and make decisions about what we will or will not think or do. And the heart, as the Bible speaks about it, is not really about feelings, but about our power to choose a course of action. And as followers of Christ, the function of the will is to organize our life as a whole around God And out of our loving attachment to God, to use our will to change our thoughts and feelings in order that we might become the kind of people that God dreams us to be. The change that God does in our heart brims over into our thoughts and to our actions. And our thoughts and actions also impact our will. Let's read on in verse 46 as Jesus continues to say, Why are you so polite with me, always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you? These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. A couple of weeks ago when we began this series, we talked about the temptation to just roll on another layer of paint over the cracks in our lives and to call it a good renovation. But the cracks sometimes alert us to foundation issues that really need to be addressed. Jesus warns that claiming Christ as Lord of our lives but not really obeying him is like being a foolish builder who neglects the importance of building a really good foundation if we want a true renovation of our hearts, one that can withstand the storms of life, it must be built on a foundation of loving Christ and obeying Christ. Theologian Fred Craddock said this, this confession of Jesus as Lord, no matter how exuberant, when unaccompanied by obedience, will not hold one's life when the storms hit. It is in the storms and the faithful seem to have faced more of them than anyone else, that the difference between interested listeners and obedient disciples will be evident. It's in the storms where we see whether we've just listened to Jesus or whether we've really obeyed Jesus and the impact that has on us in the storms. Jesus continues in verse 48. If you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. And when the river burst its banks and crashes against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. And when the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. Ouch. Translator Eugene Peterson is hitting a little close to home with this one. We could come to Bible study each week or even multiple times a week, or preach every other Sunday. But if we are not really applying or obeying God's instructions in our daily life, we are like a foolish and unwise carpenter, building a faith that will collapse when the storms rage in life. Now notice that Jesus isn't saying that out of a sense of shame or judgment or retaliation for not obeying him, but rather that the collapse of our life isn't a punishment by Christ for a lack of obedience, it is a result of not living grounded in the one who loves us and wants to save us from collapse. See, storms are a part of life, and Jesus knows this, and out of love for us, wants to prepare us for the storm so we can be built to last just like the sand palace. So how does Jesus prepare us so we are built to last? Well, that is the invitation of this entire series to learn how to invite God to renovate every area of our lives and to participate with God in this renovation. And as we learn to abide with Christ, we come alive with the kind of life that we can build on, the the kind of life that lasts despite the storms, the kind of life that God forms in us through God's spirit and through our willing and humble effort. When the Sand Palace owners designed their beach home, they researched how the most powerful hurricanes damaged homes so that they could avoid those in their design. They knew the importance of the pilings going deep into the ground to anchor the home, creating the very strongest foundation possible. They knew that building codes required a structural design to withstand 150 mile an hour winds, but They prepared for 250. They removed unnecessary overhangs that might look really attractive but would compromise the structure of the home during a storm. They planned and they prepared well before the big one ever came so that their home would stand strong after the winds died down. Jesus says, if you will let my words be the foundation on which you build your life, when the storms come, Not if, but when they come, you will be built to last. If we abide in Christ, it will be like building a life on 40-foot pilings deep into the ground. If we listen to what Christ says and obey him, even in the smallest matters, it will be like removing the unnecessary overhangs that might seem not like a big deal, but can really compromise our lives. If we remain in Christ and Christ in us, then we will be prepared before the big one ever comes. And we will find ourselves standing strong after the winds die down. Now, because I know my will, I won't speak for yours, but I know mine, to build this kind of life on my own feels the same as if someone gave me the blueprint to the sand palace and told me to build it. Even though I really, really want that awesome beach house there on the panhandle, I cannot build that on my own. The invitation to be formed in the likeness of Christ is something I really want, but I cannot build it on my own, not through my will nor my efforts. And so it's really tempting to just give up before I even get started. What our experiences teach us is that when we aim to will ourselves into acting like Jesus said we should, we fail. The gritted teeth method of forcing ourselves into right behavior is what Jesus called the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, or legalism. You see, we can't make ourselves live out the kingdom life, but we can decide that we want to and show up ready to do the work. We can trust and abide with Jesus. And trusting in him means planning to obey his teachings. In the words of Dallas Willard, you can no more trust Jesus and not intend to obey him then you could trust your doctor and your auto mechanic and not intend to follow their advice. Moreover, people who do not intend to be inwardly transformed so that obedience to Christ comes naturally will not be. People who do not plan to be inwardly transformed so that obedience to Christ comes more naturally will not be. Friends, if we do intend for Christ's to renovate our lives, every area of our lives. For Christ to build a faith in us that will weather any storm, we can be confident that it will happen. Jesus promised in our text today that the words that he speaks to us are foundation words, words to build a life on. If we work the words into our life, when the river bursts its bank and crashes against the house, nothing can shake it. It is built to last. Now one of the ways that God builds this kind of life in us is through spiritual disciplines or practices. And through the series we've been learning a new practice each week. The first week we looked at the breath prayer and last week Hannah taught about writing a letter to God. And this week's practice is known as Lectio Divina. It's Latin for divine reading. And it simply is an ancient form of scripture reading that helps a person connect with God through scripture. Lectio involves both reading and silence. It's slow and reflective. It's not really a Bible study, but more of creating space for God to speak to us through his word. So today, as we conclude, I wanna walk you through the five steps of Lectio Divina so you might add this practice to your life as a way of partnering with God to build a life that will last. Now, first of all, you select a short passage of maybe six to eight verses, and I would recommend this week that you focus on our text for today, Luke chapter six, verses 43 through 49. But you can choose another if you'd like. And just find a quiet place to be silent, to take a few deep breaths, and to be aware that God is with you. The first step of Lectio Divina is to read. So you just read the passage slowly and you just note any words or phrases that really resonate with you or stand out to you and just sit with those words or phrases for a moment. The second one is to meditate. So we read it a second time. And this time we just spend a little more focused attention on those words and phrases that are coming out to us that are drawing our interest or that God is leading us to and reflect on them. Giving space for God to speak to us and to teach us through those things that are coming to our attention. The third is to pray. We read it a third time, and this time as we read and we notice those things coming to our attention, we spend efforts and time intentionally to pray to God about those things, to ask God to help us to learn from them, to, to understand what he's teaching us today and how we can apply those to our lives. Maybe you actually pray out loud to him, or you write your prayers out in a journal. The fourth step is to contemplate. This is the fourth and final reading. We read the passage another time, resting and releasing all to God, knowing that, as we've expressed in our prayer, that we can rest fully in God, and God will bring these teachings to our minds throughout the week. And the last is to resolve. It's an action step. As we go about our day, we are resolved to carry that prayer and what God has brought to us from that scripture into our daily lives and let it be a way that God renovates our lives. This is one more practice that we can add to our lives that God can use to help build the kind of life that lasts. You know, hurricane season in Florida typically lasts from June to November. Most of the hurricanes come from August to October. But in life, the storm season is all year long. We never know when a storm will form on the horizon and thunder ashore in our lives. And like the wise builder in our text today, and like the sand palace builders, we begin today preparing for the storms by inviting God to renovate our hearts. And through God's grace and our humble efforts together, we learn to abide in Christ and make his words the deep and solid foundation that we build our lives on. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this word from Scripture today and for the opportunity, God, to be reminded of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, that we can claim with our our mouths that he is Lord, but if we don't live that in our life, God, we are not understanding what it truly means to be a disciple, to build a kind of life that you dream for us, one where we are working and partnering together with you, God, to be formed in the likeness of Christ to say no to our will, but to say yes to your will. God, we pray that you'll continue to work in our lives, that you'll continue to create a desire in each of us, God, to come before you and invite you, God, to renovate every part of our hearts and our lives. And God, I pray that as we individually and uniquely are dealing with different storms, God, that we will sense your presence with us, that the storms are not a reflection of punishment or consequence, God, from you, but that you are with us in the midst of them and that you want to help us build our lives on a solid foundation and that comes in you and you alone. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, your loyal love to us and we ask you that you would continue to renovate our hearts on this journey. In your name we pray, amen.